Good morning. What's up, Journey? Man, it's good to be with you guys. Church at home, everyone joining us over at Boynton, our Eastside family. We love you guys too. Church in the room, can we welcome all of them joining us across the, yeah, across town from us and across the country from us, wherever you're tuning in from. I did want to give a personal shout out. I met a sweet, sweet family from Michigan. Uh, They're actually part of our church at home community. I don't know if you guys know that, but thousands of people each week are tuning in through that camera, through that lens. God is using this ministry in such a powerful way. It's the Shy Docks in in Michigan. I got to meet them at a wedding. It was really cool. They came down here to visit and uh, they were like, Pastor Josh. And that was weird to hear out of context. You know, I was, I didn't think I would be known in that context. Like we're from Michigan. We watch you guys every week. So want to give a shout out to them. Can you guys give the shy docs like a just love? So cool. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and I give a family update whenever I'm here, okay? All right? Buckle up for it, okay? We are not having another baby. We have four of them already. Uh, the factory is shut down. That's all I'm going to say, people, okay? The appointment happened. For those of you that are, are very lost right now, around Christmas time this past year, we had a little bit of a scare, thought we might have a fifth. Uh, my wife bought me an appointment for my Christmas present. That has happened. I'm doing great, by the way. She's doing even better. She is so excited. Very happy woman. I think it's ironic, too, we're in a series called Worthless Wells, right? I thought that slow fade. People, I'm sorry, church at home. I'm sorry, boy in, in the room. People are already like, did he just make a vasectomy joke in church? Yes, welcome to Journey Church. If you're newer, we're family around here. I might lose my job on that one, but it was worth it. I'm telling you that much. And my wife would agree. She'd be like, yeah, totally worth it. So, uh, but I am excited to be wrapping up this series. How many of you guys were just blessed last week by Pastor Junior too? Come on. I'm so glad that guy's in the country a little bit longer. Uh, he, he, man, just so, so blown away by what he shared uh, last week. And I'm excited to wrap up this series. I'm already sweating, by the way. Man, that, that got me. Sorry, I took a risk there telling that joke. And then you guys just, you supported me. I love you, church family. I really do. Do you love your church? Come on. You just give God some praise if you love your church. Over at Boyan Church at Home. But man, I am, I'm thrilled to be wrapping up this series, Worthless Wells. And we're actually gonna, I wanna speak from this idea today that as Pastor Junior encouraged us last week to leave those worthless wells behind, I wanna actually talk from this idea that we need to begin a new process and that new process is this. It's digging new wells. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them we gotta dig some new wells. Church at home, boy, and turn to your neighbor. We gotta dig some new wells. And I know I took a risk there too because I, I think as soon as some of you heard digging, how many of you love a shovel? How many, how many of you have digged a hole or dug a hole before? Post hole digger. Man, you love, you love digging holes, right? Digging holes is the worst thing in the world, right? There's, because, because as soon as you heard me say digging new wells, you heard work, didn't you? But how many of you know good things in life come from hard work? Like that is just a universal truth that we need to kind of wrestle down this morning as we enter into this. Your marriage, a healthy marriage, comes with a lot of hard work, right? A healthy savings account, (laughs) can I get an amen, comes with some hard work and some discipline. A slim waistline, I don't know anything about that right now, I'm trying, but that comes with a lot of hard work, doesn't it? Your beautiful, ever so lovable, adorable children are raised with a ton of hard work. Can I get an amen from a parent in the room? Your college degree, your master's degree, your doctorate, 
It, it came with a lot of hard work. We understand this to be true, that good things come from hard work, but we're living in a culture in a day and age that's really running from discomfort or pain or hard work. I love what Pastor Matt shared in worship. How appropriate. That there's sometimes in, in, in worship or even in our lives that, that God is taking us through these discomfort, this, this uncomfortable place, but he's leading us somewhere so good. Because good things come from hard work. So when I talk about digging new wells, I want to just be up front with you and tell you that, that there is some work ahead of us. If we're going to leave worthless wells behind, we need to accept the fact that there's some work ahead. But I want to encourage you right off the bat and kind of lay a foundation and this, this rocked me when I was prepping for this message. This, this really, really rocked me. This is in Isaiah chapter 12. I love Isaiah, the prophet. He, his book is so prophetic about the life of Jesus, what the Savior would do when he came. And I want to encourage you with this. Before we start digging new wells, there's actually a well that has been dug for you already, and it's called the well of salvation. This is how Isaiah the prophet describes it. This is Isaiah 12. Verses one through three. He says, in that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you've comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. And there's a semicolon. And I want to stop there for just a moment because Isaiah is really describing his salvation experience. How many of you know God had to judge sin? God had to pour his wrath out on sin. But he says, no, 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 you turned your anger away from me, and now you've comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. Essentially what I say is saying is he's describing his salvation experience. That I'm so thankful that God has turned his wrath from me, that Jesus and what he did on the cross has absorbed that for me. Surely God is my salvation. Look at what he says Next, I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, he repeats the Lord twice. And anytime in Jewish literature, when you're repeating something, he's just adding emphasis to it as we would. The Lord, the Lord himself, he's my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy now, look at this, verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I want to encourage you with this. It's a well that's already been dug for you because Jesus did the work that we could not do. Is anyone glad that we have a Savior that picked up the shovel and did the digging for us? He already did the work for us. Jesus dug the well for us already of salvation that we actually freely enjoy now. I think two things about that passage are interesting. The first is this, is that it actually says wells, plural. And I was praying into this as I was preparing to bring this to our church family, and I love speaking and preaching to you guys. And this encouraged me so much, and I, hopefully this encourages someone in the room. Because there are people who believe they've missed out on this well before. That it's some sort of really like exclusive well. We talked about this a few weeks ago. But the call to the gospel is so inclusive. And, 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 and what I saw in this passage, I was like, Lord, that's interesting that it's plural, it's wells. Because I believe that these are individual wells that have been dug for each one of us. God came for the entire world, right? For God so loved the world. We all know that. But he came for you. You have a well of salvation that you get to draw from. And it's him, but they're individual. You see this throughout scripture that, that a family would, would move into a new territory or the Jews would reclaim an area of land and one of the first things they would do is dig their well. That meant this land is mine. This is our new life in Christ, right? It's individual wells. 
the wells of salvation. Some of you feel like you missed that boat, and I'm here to tell you today you have not. There's, there's a second thing that I think that people miss in that as well. I see a lot of believers not really accept this truth that a well has already been dug for them. What I mean by this is this. I see a lot of believers, a lot of Christ followers, feel the need to pick up the shovel again and start digging for a well that's already been dug in their lives. This is tiresome. And I can so relate to this because when I became a believer and I, I walked away from the Lord for a little while, I was raised in church in my early teens. I kind of walked away. I told the church and God, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Did things my own way. And really quickly, I found out that doesn't work. How many of you have been there before? You're like, man, I, when I take the steering wheel, I, I crash the car every time, okay? I'm a bad driver of my life. I, I need Jesus to literally take the wheel. I know that was cheesy, but I really need him to. But I see so many believers take the shovel back into their own hands and they try to dig a well that's already been dug for them. And so their faith feels like so much work. It's so tiresome to try to earn your salvation. And they keep digging and digging and digging. And I just see the father's heart breaking because he's like, man, I've already dug that well for you. And maybe I'm speaking to somebody at church at home or at Boynton or in the room. Would you just put down the shovel? <laughs> Maybe that's why you came to church. If you miss anything today, do not miss this. There's a, there's a well that's already been dug for you. And it's called salvation. And Jesus did the work for you that you could not do. He picked up the shovel. He did the heavy lifting. He dealt with your sin. Because you couldn't. And Isaiah describes that so beautifully. And he says, now I drink from the well of salvation with joy. I remember when I come, come back to the Lord, when I came back to him and I, and I accepted that truth, I accepted that reality, I believed it, I put my faith and trust in it. It was so incredible what joy filled my life. The joy from understanding, I don't have to do this anymore. I can put down the shovel for my salvation because my identity and my salvation is secure in him. Now I live from that place. I don't work for the affirmation. I'm not digging for his affirmation or his love anymore. I actually live from that place of his affirmation and love. Anybody hear me in the room today or have boy in, or online? I live from that place now because my identity is secured. My hope is secured. My sin's been dealt with and paid for. And now the command I have is to, to with joy just draw from that well. I want <laughs> to... I want to make this note too. I think it's important to know a few things about wells. As I was researching these, I thought these were really interesting and I'm going to say some strong things. So I want to just ask for your grace beforehand where we're going. I might step on some toes. I might say some things today that will challenge you, but I hope that that grows you. I love that Matt was talking about that earlier, Pastor Matt in worship, that we're growing in that process as well as God is taking us to places and through places that might be difficult. I'm going to say some things today that hopefully encourage you, but also challenge you. The first is this, we already covered this, that wells are work. Wells are work. You gotta know that going into it. There is a little bit of work ahead if you wanna dig some healthy wells in your life. They're gonna be work. And it's important to have that expectation ahead of you so when you get to the work and it gets hard, you don't quit. The Bible says in due time you will reap if you do not give up. Don't give up. 
Some of you are digging wells right now, spiritually in your life, that you're like, man, I'm so excited. God's revealing some things to me. But then the enemy comes along and rocks you with a difficulty or a hard time, and you want to throw in the towel. I totally get it. I can relate to that. But don't give up because you're getting somewhere good. The second point I want to share with you about wells is this, is that they need to be deep. They need to be deep. I'm going to camp out here for just a minute. Church, can I challenge us in this next season that we're walking into as a family that we would reject shallow wells. We were done with shallow. That, that wells need to be deep. And the deeper the well goes, the more life it will sustain because that's what wells are supposed to do. A family would dig that well when they took, the, took that land and inhabited that land because that was the life source. That was the thing that they were like, man, I'm going to draw life from that thing continually. But if it was shallow, it wouldn't sustain much. And I see a lot of people that might, might be struggling with this, that, that their faith might be a little bit shallow. That if you're expecting a little under two hours a week on a Sunday to fill your life, I'm telling you, you're headed for disappointment and potential derailment of your faith because that's just a shallow well. We need to continually dig deeper. There's so much more of the Lord to experience and discover. I don't want to settle for shallow. And I don't want you to either. Because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I've tasted depths that I would love for you to experience, but you got to dig deep. And don't give up. Don't get discouraged in the digging. It is going to be work, but we got to get deep. And man, I, I, even speaking of that, I see a lot of people like where you might even think that today you're like, man, this is, this is kind of like my good deed for the week. Or like, I, maybe, you're, maybe you picked up the shovel again and you're trying to earn your salvation. You think this is part of it. I'm telling you to put down that shovel today. But if you're secure in your faith and secure in your identity in him, Man, pick up that shovel and dig deep into your spiritual life with him. He's got so much for you. And I don't know about you. I, I feel like, man, I, two hours down a Sunday would never be enough because I need him every hour and every minute. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I need him. Continually. I remember this. I, I grew up as a, as a Baptist kid in church, man. We sang a lot of hymns. And I, I'm, I'm fond of hymns. I love the theology in them. I love what they, those writers, man, they had deep wells. Some of the stuff that was coming out of those songs is just so powerful. This is a song called, I Need Thee Every Hour. This is an old hymn. It says this, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, because I come to thee. I need thee every hour. Stand thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. And this last refrain, I need thee every hour, in joy or pain, come quickly and abide, or life is vain. That's like a mic drop moment. I'm just going to leave that there. Let that simmer for a minute, all right? The third thing you need to know about wells is this, is that they do sustain life. Not only for you, but for the people around you. Uh, a well was meant to just bring life to the people around you. It was meant to sustain. It was meant to be a life-giving source. And what I love about this, if you study wells in Scripture, this was a multi-generational thing, too. Speaking of parents in the room, you're digging wells for generations. I hope my kids, as they did in Scripture, return to a well and say, this was my daddy's well, this was my papa's well, and he dug it deep for us. And I hope they start where I stopped and continue to go deeper and deeper in the Lord. 
It's a generational thing. I saw that in scripture so plainly that these wells were being dug not just for the people, but for generations to come. In fact, when some of the Israelites' land got inhabited by enemies, the enemies would fill in those old wells because it was such a, a disgrace to the, their enemy, the Jews. It was such a, a slap in the face. But what's so cool is the Jews would take that land back as the Israelites would come in and inhabit the land. They would redig those wells because they were so sacred, because they were meant to bless generations. Is anyone hearing me today? The, the parents in the room, even spiritual mothers and fathers, we need you to rise up and take this next generation somewhere. But you need a deep well because that will last generations. The fourth thing is this about wells that you need to know. Wells need a wall to protect them. I thought this was a cool thing. Every, every well that I saw and studied, each of them, no matter if it was ancient or a new well, all had a wall around them. Because you have got to protect your well. In the ancient times, they didn't want stuff falling in. You didn't want people or animals falling in. You don't want snakes slithering down into those things. And if you put up a well, it would keep those things out. If you put up a wall around that well, excuse me, it would keep those things out. It would protect the well. Some of us in our lives need to learn as we dig this thing, Enemies will come. There's going to be stuff that tries to jump into that well to pollute the well. I'll speak to that in a minute, but we need to make sure that we're protecting those things, adding layers of protection to our wells because they're so sacred. They're going to be life-giving sources for us. So let's jump right into this. I, wanna, I want you to, if you're taking notes today, the first well that we need to learn how to dig is the well of praise. The well of praise. You can write that down. The well of praise. I love this well. You'll see this as the passage continues in Isaiah 12. This is verse 4. He says, in that day you will say. So as he's from the wells of salvation drinking, he says, in that day you'll say, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he's done. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Church, we got to learn how to dig this well of praise. And I think it's so crucial because it actually will build onto the next well that we're going to dig. But the well of praise, this is coming from a thankful and a grateful heart. How many of you know the world around you needs some thankful and grateful Christians, right? Misery loves company, but we can change that narrative. We can change the narrative, the negative narrative that we hear all the time around us. Here's what I know. Misery loves company, but light will outshine darkness. Every single time, light will outshine darkness. And it takes one person who's burning for Jesus to walk into a room, to walk into a situation with some light inside of them to light up that darkness. The thankfulness that we have. Even though it looks like chaos around us, I still believe God has us in our hands, that he is in control. That the prophet Isaiah would even say that the government would be on Jesus' shoulders and his rule and reign will have no end. Either that's true or it's not. But that's where I put my hope and confidence. So I should be able to walk into a room and light up some darkness. That misery loves company, sure, but my light can outshine the darkness if I'm digging that well of praise. And I do believe it begins with thanksgiving. We see that in scripture in the Psalms. That it comes from a thankful and a grateful heart. 
I heard this in Sunday school growing up that we were to count our blessings, sing them one by one, count your many blessings and see what God has done. What were they trying to teach us as kids? To be thankful and grateful. That what a discipline it is. I had somebody mention this recently, that one of their, their mentors had encouraged them each day. He was like, man, just rock me with some truth. What do you got for me? What should I be working on and learning? He said, man, I've just done this radical thing. So, well, tell me what it is. He goes, each day I wake up and my feet hit the floor and I thank God for 10 things. See <laughs> like, that? that's it? Like, that's the thing that's just rocking your world. But what a discipline that is. We've challenged our kiddos to do that before. Me and my wife, when they're being miserable, you know what? I mean, I have perfect kids. I don't know about you. I meant your kids, actually, that when they're being miserable, you should challenge. No, we challenge our kids with this all the time. Tell me 10 things you're thankful for. 10 things you're grateful for. And it makes them stop and pause and realize, you know what? I got it better than I deserve. Man, I do have it good. And it's interesting that as thankfulness enters into the equation, it changes the environment around us. So that's what the well of praise will do. It's supposed to be a life-giving source, which leads me to the next well that we're gonna dig. The next well that we're gonna dig is this, it's the well of his presence. See, I think it's so vital that we dig the well of praise first because it's thanksgiving and praise that the word says that get us into God's presence. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Some of you that have heard that before maybe don't know where that context comes from. But the writer, David, was speaking to the Old Testament system of worship in the temple. And he was saying the gates of the temple, you would enter into God's presence, so to speak, with thanksgiving. Thankful hearts would actually crack open the gate, crack open the door to God's presence. And then he says it's taking you into his courts with praise. Well, what would happen? The temple was surrounded by gates. Then you would walk into the outer courts and into the inner courts. And then you would go into the most holy of holies. There'd be a, a, a separation, right, between us and God. But it was this process of thankfulness gets me in. Praise. This is for free. I, this kind of rocked me too. Maybe I'm all over the place. But Praise takes you all the way in. There wasn't a step after that. I thought that was interesting. That there were a couple layers to that in the Old Testament system. But isn't it interesting that the New Testament, God would tear that temple veil, tear that curtain, allow us direct access. Now praise takes me all the way into his presence to a really intimate place. You're like, how do I develop this intimacy with God that you're talking about, this well of his presence? Continue to praise Develop that well, that deep well of praise, and that's going to take you into his presence. Well, Josh, how do I dig that well? How do I cultivate those things? I'm glad that you asked. I have some ideas for you. The first thing would be this, if you're taking notes. It looks like searching the scriptures and studying them. Do you know that not one time in the Bible are we encouraged to just casually read the scriptures? We're encouraged to study those things. To, to get them so hidden in our heart that no one could take that stuff away from us. That I'm called to study and know and, and get to know God's heart. He's given me his word, this incredible love letter to me to know who he is. It's searching the scriptures. It's discovering who he is. Man, I would start in the gospels. You want to get to know Jesus, study his life. He said, I've come to reveal who the father is. Well, I want to know who that is. So I'm going to look to Jesus. Start there if you want to start pouring over the scriptures. The second thing I would tell you is this, it looks like spending some time in prayer. 
And this isn't the casual before a meal, 10-second prayer, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. This is not that. We've all been there. Come on, I'm a pastor. I get it. You're in Chick-fil-A with your kids. You want that prayer to be fast, all right? Those fries turn into some sort of soggy nastiness real quick, so. Love Chick-fil-A, though, huh? Man. Christian chicken. That just got me distracted for a minute. Getting pretty hungry here. Slim waistline comes with hard work. Come on, Josh. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. No, it does. It looks like spending time in prayer. Some of you are like, man, that's some, that's some work. Yep, I said that already. <laughs> some of this will be a little bit of hard work for you. But I think as you get to know the heart of the Father, you begin to know Jesus more. You begin to know the Holy Spirit more. You'll hear the words of Jesus. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're feeling weighed down by all this, you're carrying the wrong thing. If this feels like a chore to you, you're carrying the wrong thing. Jesus says, no, 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 my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I think of that like a yoke with the oxen. I always get this picture in my mind. Maybe the Lord's given me this. Maybe this will help you. I always feel like, like if, we're, if me and Jesus are yoked up together in a yoke, I, like my feet are like dangling. He's carrying all the weight anyways. I'm just kind of along for the ride, right? Does that help anybody? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But he'll reward me in those places, the secret place when I take time to meet him there in prayer. The third thing would be this. It looks like developing an atmosphere of worship in your home. You want to dig the well of presence and you want to dig it deep? Man, start at home. Start at home. This, this challenges me as a pastor all the time. I don't want to just do the spiritual stuff here. I want to do it at home. And in fact, I think it's way more important to do it there than to do it here. Because how hypocritical of me would that be if I'm not doing those things at home, if I'm not spending that time with Jesus? It convicted me as I was writing this. That how important is it for me to do it at home? That the church was supposed to be a place where we gather together, we kind of stir each other up, Paul would say. We stir each other's gifts up. We stir each other up to go do good works. He's like, man, we should fire each other up in here to go out into the world and to change that place. But what's interesting, I believe that we can do that if I draw from a well, not siphon from a source. And what I mean by that is this. Let me explain that. You can put that point up, guys. Not, not drawing from a well, but siphoning from a source. Some people siphon really quick from God. I heard a worship leader explain this. She's a worship leader I really respect and admire. She said this. A lot of believers are, are not learning to draw deep from a well. Instead of the, in a moment, they just siphon from a source. They God, I need you. And really quickly, they try to siphon from heaven something quick. And when we go throughout our lives not digging deep wells and we live a shallow faith and we just siphon from God in a moment. God, I'm in trouble. God, I need you. Help me pass this test. I threw that prayer up all the time in high school. Perfect example. God, I need you right now. I've neglected my marriage for years, but I need you in a moment because we're on the brink of divorce. No, I got to dig a deep well. I got to dig a deep well. And I'll draw from that well, and I can draw from that well at any time. At any moment, I can go to that thing. Instead of trying to siphon from a source, I'll learn to draw from a well if I'm digging deep in his presence. The Bible says this in Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. Oh, I love that scripture so much. In his presence is fullness of joy. When's the last time that you, you turned off the noise? You sat in the secret place with the Lord. And the Bible defines this as just some place where you could, I think, physically or metaphorically shut the door. 
Jesus says, when you go to that place and you shut the door, I promise I'm there. I think that can look like literally metaphorically, right? Some of you are like, the car is my secret place. Where are the moms, the busy moms in here? How many of you, your minivan is your secret place, right? Amen, amen. We got a minivan, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating on minivans. I love them. That is me and my wife's secret place sometimes, I'm telling you that. Where we just meet with the Lord. Are you developing that deep well in that place, though, the well of his presence? Are you digging that deep? Is it sustaining you? Or do you feel so burnt out throughout the week because you're, you're trusting on about an hour and a half, two hours of church on a Sunday to do it for you? And I'm telling you, that's, that's going to be disappointing. And God's calling you into such intimacy so personally. Remember, it's your individual well. It's wells of salvation. He wants to meet you. I love this story in scripture where it says that he would leave the sheep, the 99, to find the one. It's this individual, intimate relationship that he wants to have with you. And there is so much more. So much more of him to discover and see and know. These times, if I could just be real with you, these, these times with the Lord digging this well of his presence has literally kept me in ministry, has kept me in my marriage, has kept me on the right path in my life. Like, it, with, without that, I, I really don't know where I would be. Those moments of just being with him, asking the Lord to just come and experiencing his presence. I can't really describe it. It's one of those things where you have to taste and see. Church at home or Boynton or in the room, you have to do the tasting. I remember my dad as a kid, we'd always go grab Chinese food and I was always so grossed out by how it looked until I tasted it, man. And I'm like, I'm hooked. Sesame chicken is gold. Fried rice was like the best thing in the world. As a kid, I had never tasted anything like that. But it's funny because I had to do the tasting myself to see and experience the glory of what Chinese food was. I know that's a weird example to use, but go with me a little bit. You got to do the tasting yourself. This is individual relationship. Some of us have, have leaned on our spouse for that. Well, well they're, the, they're the spiritual one. No, 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 like my wife, like she does, she does the praying in the family. That just shouldn't be true. Don't settle for that well. It's awesome that she is the prayer warrior of the family, but you should be the prayer warrior as well. You should be digging your own wells of praise and of his presence. And the last is this. I don't want to offend anybody today, all right? All right. You guys with me? I love you guys. Love you, church. Man, I love our church. The last well is this, it's the well of God's people. How many of you know you need some good people in your life? Can I get a big amen in the room? You need some people. You need some people in your corner to do life with. You need some people to celebrate your wins and your losses. And the reason why I put on here the well of God's people, I think it's absolutely critical that we understand what Romans was talking about. He's Romans, the Apostle Paul in Romans, he was saying that, so we in Christ, this is Romans 12, five. So we in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to the others. This well is all about healthy relationships. You are, psychologists, sociologists will tell you, you're about the average of the top five people that you spend the most time with. Some of you are like, man, I got to get some new friends. I know, I know, I, I get it. You got to dig this well, church. It's imperative that you dig this well of healthy relationships. 
It's the well of God's people. God has provided the church for this reason. This is one of the main reasons that we would have community that, that is so full of his spirit, so full of his presence that we come together and praise. We can dig these wells together, by the way. This is a really cool thing about the church. This is why so many of you love encounter nights and our living room sessions during more of God. You love going in these things and experiencing what happens. You're like, man, what happened in that room was so amazing. Why? Because we're just doing this together. And when I get together with God's people, and I'm shaped and molded by them. The Bible says when iron will sharpen iron, so one man sharpens another. I think it's interesting that it uses the same material because ladies, you need some good ladies in your life. Men, you need some good men in your life. We're all the same material. I love when my wife goes out with godly women because she'll come back like a new woman. They breathe life into her. They encourage her. They're good for our marriage. If you're, out, if you're out there listening to me, church at home, pointing in the room, you're going out with people who aren't good for your marriage, you need to cut those people out of your life. If your faith isn't getting stronger after hanging out with some of those people, and I'm not saying you cut everybody out. That's not what I'm saying. You got to reevaluate those relationships. If they're not making you look more like Jesus, you got to reevaluate that relationship because this is a well that is so, so critical. We need to dig the well of God's people and enjoy what God has for us. The Bible talks about this idea of unity and how important it would, it would be for us to be of the same mind and of the same spirit because we're of the same body. Because unity moves some things forward. A unified church will move some things forward in the kingdom of God. We'll make an imprint. I wore the, the go and love, the global shirt, because this ministry is making such a huge impact because people become unified under one goal, one banner. We're doing this for Jesus. And we see incredible things happen. That is the well of God's people. Here, here's three things that I'll give you about God's people in these relationships. I think these might be helpful, and then I'm going to close. The first thing is this, those relationships need to be life-giving. Because I would say the opposite is, if, if you're in relationships right now that are just sucking the life out of you, they are life-sucking, if that is a word, they're just sucking the life out of you. You have to make the choice to cut that relationship out and start digging a new well of some healthy relationships. That they're life-giving. I'll talk to men in the room. Men, if you're hanging out with your boys and, and they are not breathing life into you, they are bad for your marriage, they're encouraging you to do stupid stuff with your finances, they're taking you to places that you don't really want to go, cut those people out of your life. Because that is a toxic well. That well has been polluted. And you start to drink from that thing. And guess what happens? Pollutes your soul you got to dig healthy wells. The first thing was this is their life-giving. The second, have healthy boundaries. Have healthy boundaries. These are life-giving relationships that should have healthy boundaries inside of them. What I mean by this is exactly what I was just saying. That, that, that there's healthy boundaries for you in your marriage. There's healthy boundaries for you in, in your work. And these are relationships that are encouraging you in all of those areas. They're making you better. You find that you're full of life, that you feel filled up after being with those people. If you're feeling drained constantly after going out with the boys or going out with the girls, we need to evaluate those relationships and say, are these things healthy or do I need to dig a new well? The third thing is this, is they make you more like Jesus. I know I already said that, but I cannot belabor this point more. 
I wanna, I wanna walk away from people and interactions looking more like Jesus, being challenged to be more like him. These, these two men in my life, they would not want this recognition, but we've struck up a relationship recently. Uh, Max and Marty, they're, they're a little bit older. I'm not gonna call them old men, but they're just older than me and they're, they've got some gray hair and some wisdom. Max and Marty have just befriended me. They found a brotherhood here at the church and we started going out to lunch pretty regularly and I love my time with these men. I mean, both of them are, are probably 20 years older than I am, if not more. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I sit there like a kid in a candy store, just so good. And they might not even know this and they wouldn't want this recognition, but I love it. Max and Marty, if you're in the room or listening, I love you guys. But I'm telling you this, I walk away from every interaction with those guys better. Those men, this is the idea of, of what I was talking about earlier, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. Even as a pastor, I sit down with those men and they teach me constantly. I'm like a sponge. I'm soaking it up. One of them was, was in ministry prior in life. The other, just a brilliant mind. I love what I'm challenged with. They ask me hard questions. They ask me what I'm looking at, who I'm talking to. They're asking me if I'm dating my wife. They're asking me about how I'm fathering my kids. They ask me tough questions. And I've invited that. Do you have that in your life? Because that is a healthy well. That is a well I want to dig deep. And it blesses me more than I could tell you, church. And I want that so badly for you. So here's what I want to encourage you with. My challenge to you today is that you begin to dig those wells and begin to think, begin to get a vision maybe for your life prophetically what that would look like in your life. If you start to dig those healthy wells, the well of praise, the well of his presence, the well of God's people, what would begin to change and transform in your own life, in your home? in your marriage, in your finances, in your business. I don't know what it is, what area God is knocking on your heart, but what would it look like if we began to dig healthy wells? We, we reject the worthless wells in our life and we begin to dig deep. Don't settle for shallow, church, but pick up that shovel, do the work, begin to dig deep into those areas. And I promise you, you are gonna find a life-giving source that will change and transform your life forever. Let me pray for you guys. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes everywhere? Church at home, Boynton. I just wanna pray for our church. I love you guys. Father God, I pray right now that you would speak to sons and daughters who have an identity secured in you because they've drank from the well of salvation so freely. God, if there's a person in this room that hasn't, God, I pray that they find you today. They come up for prayer after service, find a prayer member, and they ask them, what, what do I do to be saved? What does that look like to enjoy the well of salvation? God, maybe even speak to the, the son or daughter in the room that's tried to pick up the shovel to earn that salvation. Holy Spirit, would you speak to them today and remind them that they can put down that shovel? Because Jesus did the work already for them that they could not do. Father, I pray for everyone listening at church at home or over at Boynton or even in the room. God, who needs to begin to dig these deep wells and experiencing the life-giving power and transformation that you have inside of them. God, I pray that they would have the resolve, that they wouldn't give up. If they're digging them already, God, I pray that they wouldn't give up. They would experience your presence like no other. They would find what that joy, that, that fullness of joy looks like. And God, they would enjoy your people. They would enjoy healthy, life-giving relationships that change and transform them 
for eternity. And we pray all of that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen, church. I love you guys.